welcome to our abbreviated non-live broadcast of Bagpipe Nation today. Today's April 14th, and it's somewhere around 3 in the afternoon. And Vin and I are here to um, uh, give you content, even though um, we're not able to go live tonight. We are um, preparing for the Orrin Moore Spring Training Workshop, which is a big uh, workshop that our band does um, in the area, in the Albany area here every year. And so um, I think Vin's out there. Are you out there? I'm out. I am out here. Vin is out here. So um, it's working perfectly. Yeah. So Vin, I know that you're on your way up shortly to uh, come up and teach at the workshop. That's right. Yeah. And uh, it'll be your first spring training workshop. It will. It will get a get a feeling if I get a sort of a trial by fire. Yeah, it's, it's both feet in kind of experience. Um, knowing that you're coming has made uh, you know has made it uh, possible to do a couple cool classes that we haven't been able to do before at spring training. Um, one of the uh, classes we're having is called Hack It with Vin. And, um, of course, uh, Vin, your your site that we work on together is called Pipe Hacker. And uh, I don't know, why don't, you, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're going to talk about this weekend at your class? And yeah. uh, also, you know, tell us more about this whole Pipe Hacker thing. I've, I know we've covered <laughs> it before, but... Yeah, I, you know, I'm hoping I'm hoping it'll be a cool kind of hands-on thing. It's not your typical class that you experience at a workshop. You know, most of the people go here and they learn how to you know, play two four marches and uh, how to you know play better technique and all that kind of good stuff. But um, I'm hoping that this will be a fun thing where uh, people can sort of get their hands on some stuff and learn how to really solve problems. You know, I think uh, you know the whole idea behind pipe hacker is really you know taking control of your own piping destiny, I guess, if it was anything else, you know, thinking about solutions to problems and doing it yourself, you know. I think there's a big trend out there these days to do things on your own, and the DIY thing is, is, is always a big uh, big topic everywhere you go. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, we'll go over some things and how to, how to approach problems and how to be a pipe hacker yourself, um, you know, and uh, we're going to get our hands dirty and make blowpipe valves, you know sort of out of stuff that you could easily find anywhere in your house. If you're, you know, you got a collection of junk in your basement, I'm sure you have some, some equipment to, uh, to make these kinds of things. So I'm hoping, uh, you know, it'll be a fun day. So it'll be like minute to win it, but for pipers who want to make blowpipe valves. Yeah. Something like that, I guess. Yeah. But it's not just, that's just like one part of it. And I think, you know, the whole, the whole, uh, you know, the whole mindset is more or less just sort of taking it on your own and solving your problems, you know, however that might be, you know, you know if you have, you think, if you think, if you think about all the things that you, you encounter, like most, most of the time you don't see people making stuff for bagpipers, <laughs> you know, it's bagpipers usually making this or that thing for, for other pipers, but the, uh, the commercial manufacturing for musicians is sort of overlooked bagpipes entirely. So you don't get all the cool products, um, that you see other musicians with, you know, whether it's a, a cool, only, but until lately, actually you start seeing now some cool pipe cases and, and things like that. But up until, up until now, there's really been nothing, you know, uh, you know, you, you see, you'll see a concert musician walk around with all these cool gadgets and little boxes for this, that, or the other thing and excellent gig bags and whatnot. And pipers pretty much are left to do that on their own for years, for, you know, a good long amount of years. You know, I think, I, I think, you know, I've, I've got the, uh, the uh, Captain John McClellan handbook. I don't know if you've ever seen that. If anyone else has got copies of that thing, um, I think you know, um, that- 
I might be so bold as to say I carry that book. Do you really? Well, there you, uh, you know, that's like a don't quote filled me with on all that. kinds of universe. Don't quote me on that. Hold on. I'm looking it up. Now. <laughs> uh, good evening, everyone. There's no music today because we're yeah, trying so I, but, you know, that book is filled with all kinds of DIY. to the webinar, which hopefully will. Yeah. Um, I don't, I think I might've just accidentally played last week's bagpipe nation there for a second, but we're back on track. I am continuing to look for the John McClellan, <laughs> McClellan handbook. This is what we get. This is what you get folks. This is this is the low budget, uh, yeah. the low exactly. budget, uh, experience. Uh, and it's been the Piper's experience all along for generations. You know, we're left to like, you know, come up with our own solutions on the cheap, you know, and then the, the John, the John McClellan book is filled with all kinds of those, those kinds of solutions, you know, like he's giving all kinds of weird tips on how to manipulate reeds and, there's even one bit in there where how you make a spit trap for your for your blowpipe stock, you know, out of a piece of cork and a and a, and a, and a bit of copper tube, you know. <laughs> so it's like you know if, you know it's, it's just typical fashion, you know. Piper's just sort of coming up with ideas and just making it work. Um, so I'm hoping that that the class will uh, people can leave there sort of thinking that pipes can be a lot more fun with that kind of stuff in there. Um, Eighteen dollars, Piper's Dojo. John McClellan and Piper's Handbook. There you go. Uh, free shipping. Did you hear that, Vin? You could get a second copy of this free. Well, free shipping. <laughs> um, you're breaking up a little bit over there. But uh, Free shipping. There you go. Okay. Handbook too. Vin's back on. We're having a slight connection issue here, but uh, it's good to... Um, like I said, it's good to have Vin at the spring training workshop. I know that I've, I've got a few, um, I've got a few classes I'm doing this year. One of them is about uh, pipe section unison, which is uh, a hot topic. And um, of course, my approach to pipe section unison is, um, I don't know, slightly different than I would say most experiences that I've had. And we're going to go through, um, we're, th- we're going to go through how I would do that. Um, and the theme of the course is that um, you need to teach pipers uh, how to think about the music. Um, the the point at which you actually work to take what you have and try to uh, you know make small tweaks to get it to fit together. It's it's way down the food chain. Step one is to make sure everyone has the same understanding of technique, um, expression. Uh, and a big one is how to play embellishments together. So, so anyway, we're going to be having a, a wee jam on that. I think it'll be uh, pretty hands-on and interesting. We might cover some basic tunes and see if we can get some unison out of it. Um, I think I, um, yeah, I think Vince. Yeah, so well, that sounds that sounds like a good. Ex- I'm out here. Yeah, slight pause. Yeah, that's not you know, it's, it's definitely not your typical class that you encounter in most of the workshops that you people have gone to, you know, I think out here in the East, there's a regular array of, uh, of weekends and days where people get more or less this, this, the typical fare, you know, which is all good, but, uh, you know, bringing your, bringing your group to a workshop and learning how to play better together is always a, always a good thing. Yeah. There's a couple of cool classes, you know, that are very hands-on and then you're kind of, uh, before the show, uh, encouraging me to explain you know, how this workshop is different from a lot of other workshops. And I think that's the number one thing. I think we're the most hands-on 
weekend workshop imaginable, conceivable. conceivable. Um, so uh, there's a lot of hands-on, really cool stuff. Every class has got a nice handout you can take home. Um, another class that I know we're doing is the big ensemble jamboree class where we've actually already pre-released uh, our setting of Minstrel Boy, and uh, I'm not involved in that class, but uh, um, they are going to put together pipers and drummers, and they're going to talk about how to create ensemble uh, through, you know, by playing this, this tune together. And it's just a, like everybody who attends the class. It's not like an actual band. It's just everybody's there. That's right. And so there's going to be, uh, you know, um, there's going to be a lot of discussion about, okay, now we have this tune. Pipers have the tune. The drummers have the drum score. Now what do we do? And, um, and you know, we're going to walk people through the experience that, you know, um, you know, the experience that we would put our own students through. And so uh, I think that's going to be a really cool class. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea. I mean, you, and you're starting with a tune that probably everybody knows. So, uh, you know, it, it, it requires a little more thought than if it was a brand new tune for everyone where they have to sort of learn the music and really sort of crunch through. And you got to get over that hump before you get to actually any work on any kind of ensemble. But now they have to think about a tune they already know and how we're going to make it sound good as a group, you know, which is a challenge every band faces, really. Yep, uh, definitely so. Uh, we're covering a lot of the absolute basics, too. Um, there's a lot of people in our area that um, are just getting started, and, and they want to know more. Um, Donald is having a tuning class, um, how to tune your pipes. And, uh, you know, that's always... A, that's excellent, yeah. And it's going to be, you know, everyone's going to be bringing their pipes to that class and hopefully getting their hands on it. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, I, when, you know, I was attending workshops regularly. It was, you know, it was always always left wishing that there was a, a class where you just walk in and, you know, somebody would actually show you how to tune a channer, you know, <laughs> you know, like how much, how much faster could we all been better if there was classes like that, you know, back, when, back in the day, you know, it's, you true, know, somebody... it's funny how, it's funny how rare that is. Yeah, it like, is. Like, did you know, here's something I'm, you know, I'll give you an example. Did you know that when you raise a reed, it does not make, uh, the the pitch flatter, right? <laughs> Did you notice? Well, most people assume that by raising the reed, the chanter gets flatter. And while this is partially true, it is far from uh, the full story. Um, what you know when you when you raise or when you sink a reed, right? There is a a tapered effect. So the high hand is affected quite a bit by changes uh, with lifting and raising the reed. And the bottom hand is affected very little. And it's, it's a sort of a sliding scale. And so, um, and that's very important to think about when you um, tune a chanter. And just a quick example is, let's say your A, your B, your C, and your D are flat. Should you sink your reed? Exactly, yeah. That was a test, Ben. Oh, it's, oh, you're testing me. Ah, probably, well, probably not. It depends on the... On the uh... Definitely not, right? I guess uh, your overall balance, I guess, in what you're, the picture, picture. That's right. Sinking, okay. sinking, the read in, sinking the read in that case would be the worst possible choice because, of course, if your A, B, and C, and D are flat, what, what does that translate that? That means the A, B, C, and D are flat relative to the high hand. So now if we sink the read, the high hand will be affected more than the bottom hand, so now we're increasing... Uh, 
we're now increasing just how flat the bottom hand is relative to the top. And uh, anyway, um, that's kind of a brief example of uh, just how important it is to have these classes uh, from time to time. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 like you said before, it's hands-on, which is always, I think, uh, a key component, which is not what you get typically. Most of the time, these, you know, these workshop classes take the lecture format. We have somebody at the front of the room sort of blathering on and on about something, and you sort of sit there with your little handout and follow along. Um, you know, I always, I always thought it was a fun thing when there was like actually a class where you actually had to play. You know, wow. <laughs> you actually got to, had to get your chain around and actually make noise, you know. Which was was also rare back then, back in once upon a time. You know, you, you see it more and more frequently now. But um, a lot of times you'll just get music, and, and you know, the, whoever's teaching the class will go over the music, and that's that. You know, you don't actually get a chance to like give it a listen, you know, or try it out or something like that. You know, um, I think I remember one of, one of the better classes like that. Uh, you know, Jimmy McIntosh used to do Peabrock classes all the time. Like you'd see him everywhere. You know, and he'd actually have the whole class playing something. You know, whatever it was. Discussing parts of the tune. He actually had everybody playing, which was kind of cool. Yeah, that is cool. And and so, um, I don't know, to summarize, that's what we're up to this weekend. And uh, it's something that our band does. You know, as a high-level band, um, it's a great fundraiser for us um, because we really have a lot to offer in terms of everyone in our band has has gone through all of these uh, challenges uh, to get to where each of us are, um, you know, in regards to um, uh, playing. I mean, you have to have great bagpipe maintenance, good blowing, uh, good technique, uh, uh, extensive knowledge of expression. And, and so, uh, you know, for us to put this on, uh, it's a good fundraiser. It's something we really enjoy doing. The, um, the Kaylee we have on Saturday night is... Um, uh, easily one of the top three most fun uh, things uh, I do all year, and um, you know most of the people in the band agree and they look forward to it. And uh, we'll be performing with the Aaron Harks band as well, and we're recording the show. So as long as it doesn't go too badly, we may have um, in the near future we may have some uh, examples of some of the fusion stuff we've been doing performatively as a group uh, over the winter. So, uh, so yeah, in, in the meantime, uh, it's sort of related, a sort of related note, uh, Vin, you had an article this week about, um, you know, the, shall we, shall we say the increasing threat of, uh, instinct, uh, extinction among, uh, yeah, for, for, for bagpipe competition, exactly right. You know, it's more or less continuation of that idea where, you know, what do we do if, 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 you know, our field here in the East is suddenly halved or, you know, reduced by a significant number by games who are just incapable of, of continuing their operations, which is not a, not a far-fetched idea. Um, you know, we rely, the relationship between games and USBA is, 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 I don't even know what the word is. It's like inseparable. Like it, 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 one cannot continue without the other almost. And, it, and it's yet at the same time, USBB does not throw any support at all other than uh, maybe in this form of advice or personnel to the games that, you know, form basically the foundation of our of our art of what we're doing in any way with it. Um, 
and you know, and more like the you know the, the article, the post I made up at Pipepacker is is more or less a, a sort of commentary and a prelude to ideas that I'll be posting later on, um, and they are just ideas on how the, the the association, being as large and as well funded as it is, could support the games in more concrete ways to ensure that they can. And they don't have the additional burden of running, you know, $25,000 of, of a pipe band competition or a piping competition that um, could easily just provide them one more reason to, you know, close their doors and shut down operations. So, um, you know, so the, so the idea is really just, uh, you know, what ideas, you know, what, what, could, what could the association do? I mean, it pulls in a good $68,000 in dues. And that's just a, a conservative estimate, um, you know, every year. I mean, so, what do you think? Uh, what do you think they can do, really? I mean, for me, it's like. So, are you are you suggesting that the EUSPBA should uh, inject money into these private uh, Highland gatherings and other enterprises? Perhaps I, you know, it's it, that's that's one possible way to go go about it. But I mean, if you look at it as a relationship, much the same way as the the the, the greater public has with its schools. Um, you know the 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 games are more or less like the schools. You know the the USPBA promises to send or requires to send, you know, numerous people into the system, um, and in you know and but at the same time it doesn't support it in any other way. So it basically says it's much the same way it's saying, you know, the schools will send you students. This, you know, the public will say we'll send we'll require every student to go to school, but we're not going to support you in any other way. You're going to have to fund your entire operation yourself, and. You know, you, you know, much in much the same way, say a private school institution does a private school or something like that. Um, but at the same time, you know, private schools get help too. But they're also free to shut their doors if they so choose, given the reality, economic realities they encounter. Which leaves you what, where? How do you then send your kids to school? You know, where where do your kids get an education if you've promised them and required them to get it? So it's 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 much the same kind of relationship. You know, um, we're saying to the games, you know, we'll sanction you and, and, and you'll, you'll get 150 competitors if you sanction with us and in your game, your contests count. But you're going to have to run the games our way and you have to spend $20,000 to do it. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, you know, the sanctioning then becomes a form of punishment, not, a, not an actual, uh, you know, form of approval, you know, and a, and, a, and, a, and a sort of authoritative, valid sort of nod to your you know to the to the to the, to the event yeah it's, so it's certainly um <clears throat> it's certainly something that there is a certain irony occurring here um and i'm not convinced that i'm not personally convinced that the uspba should be throwing money at specific events but um uh it's definitely very interesting that these um that you're right the uspba kind of says okay well uh we want you to have these contests but what we're willing to do um, to support you while you host these is um, minimal at best. Right? Exactly. Like you have one monitor who sits in a tent and somehow monitors that all the competitions are held fa mm -hmm. fairly and consistently and within exactly. the rules. Um, and there's, <clears throat> there's a slew of, and, and I'm not discrediting those who volunteer as stewards whatsoever. I mean, we need stewards, but uh, very few of them are trained whatsoever in how, right. to, in how to behave and uh, conduct a contest as a exactly they're, they're, they're enthusiasts and 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 they they you know sort of embark on their task enthusiastically too and and it's and it's great but at the same time you know 
without them, you know, like what happens when the volunteer pool dries up or what happens when, you know, you know, and, and, you know, the USP is happy to provide uh, more advice and, and, and answer any questions and help them run events in, in any way if they're having trouble, you know, I mean, it, it's very supportive that way, but that's the, that's the end of it. That's the extent of it. Um, and, you know, one, one of the ideas that I'm sort of toying around with, which we'll probably up uh, next week up on the blog will is, is sort of the paid team uh, model where you would maybe have a team of trained individuals who are responsible for actually executing the event. Um, and, you know, which at the same time takes the burden of finding volunteers, um, worrying about logistics, um, all of these things. And basically the games would then become, um, you know, would, would still have to pay a certain amount of money. But at the same time, they get the benefit they get of, of greater expertise um, and possibly uh, have a better event in the end of it, which would maybe possibly attract more competitors, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, that's just one idea. But, I think um, that, uh, and, and that's basically, that's, that is the, um, that's basically what uh, Ontario, RSPBA, and British Columbia are doing mm-hmm. is uh, right. they are issuing the games a team of people that are trained to execute contests fairly. But I'm, not, but I'm not sure, but I think they also uh, fund it as well, right? I mean, I think that, you know, for whatever reason, the USPBA has been reluctant to adopt that model where they actually pay for the event and the games provide basically a venue to do it. So, you know, the, the, the association is responsible for all the personnel to execute the games as well as the finances. Um, and the USPBA has been reluctant to do that for some reason. I'm not sure why. Um, it's just a sort of a historical arrangement that we've had, you know, for, for 40 years or, or whatever. Um, and there's really no reason for it. Um, but at the same time, it's, it has seemed to work, so no one's really messed with it. Um, but, you know, then again, it just provides, again, the games another reason why they maybe should close up shop or maybe not have piping and drumming competitions. So why do you want to continue a practice that's going to give them every reason to sort of, you know, cut their nose off despite their face or something, you know? Well, I think that, um, you know, I think it's a masked bands thing. I think in the traditional format that I'm thinking of is the Highland Games, of course, where um, the masked bands are a huge spectacle and a big part of the day. Mm-hmm. So uh, I think that's what makes, I think that's the single thing that, that uh, makes Highland Games so enthusiastic about having uh, pipe band competitions. Yeah, and, and, just and it's because, echoed by a lot of people too. Yeah, but just because they are... Um, enthusiastic about it does not mean that they're equipped. Um, and it's not because they're bad people. It's just because it's not an easy thing to do, but it, just because they're enthusiastic, it does not make them equipped, uh, to put together a fair contest. Um, you know, just by throwing together some people that they know, uh, and, a and, uh, entourage of golf carts, you know, <laughs> uh, there's a little more to it than that. <clears throat> and, uh, I think that's why, you know, and I think that's why the RSPBA is, you know, um, well, you can criticize certain things about the RSPBA, perhaps, but one thing that's very, very difficult to penetrate from that angle is uh, how well they run their contests. Um, everything runs, <clears throat> by definition, everything runs exactly on time, and if it doesn't, you've got a problem. Uh, bands have been disqualified on a number of occasions. The most recent that comes to mind is um, the Vale, uh, grade one, mm-hmm. the Grade 1 uh Valdathel pipe band, who I believe this year or the year before was disqualified 
and um, caused them to be out of the race for a pre-qualifying spot. They were disqualified at a previous major uh, because they were late to the line or something. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, uh, I don't know. Uh, the, but that's a good thing. That's a good. I How did you pay for for that kind of um, support? You know, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like there's not any. And again, you know, it's like you have to think you say one question, but there's got to be better ones that will guarantee more so than it is now. You know. Um, so you know, uh, you know, like it, you know, it's like the way I did some, you know, some other idea, or some other model, which it have is a uh, is basically, um, you know, people complaining about something else. <laughs> you know, people complain about stuff now. They complain, they'll just complain about whatever it is you're doing. You know, um, but you know, that that doesn't say you shouldn't do it. You know, either. You know, I, I think that they think that sort of that's a that's a very real concern by a lot of people. That, they're worried about what's going to happen if they make moves um, and who they're going to take off or really offended or upset or something. I mean, and when it comes to the games, I think people are very sensitive to that here, you know, here in the East, you know, and the USPBA especially is extremely sensitive about how the games are treated and about how they're regarded and making sure that a relationship is not tarnished so because, you know, it could change at the snap of a finger, you know. Um. Yeah, it's it's uh, you know it's definitely something that uh, you know uh, is an issue uh, worth uh, thinking about some more for sure. Well, um, I think that's about it for us in regards to the amount of time we have to do this. So, um, you know, I want to thank Vin for being here with us today, and um, you know, I think that the spring training workshop should go really well. And uh, sorry about the connection issues, but that's the way it goes. Uh, I think Vin's back with us. I am back. Yeah, I, I, was, just, uh, I was just wrapping up the, uh, the episode for today. and So uh, thanks for being here with us today, Vin. And we will see the rest of the Bagpipe Nation followers soon. Um, we're experimenting with different formats. So we may be back live next week, or we may have another pre-recorded episode for you. Um, and of course, if you have topics that you'd like us to cover, um, just let us know. Uh, my email is Andrew at pipersdojo.com. And, um, you know, I'll be happy to take anything into consideration. So until we meet again, uh, bye for now. So long, so long, so long. <laughs>